Well, good morning, Baseline. It's uh, great to see you today on this, uh, I think, seventh uh, digital gathering of our church. And um, again, our hope is that you will uh, experience worship and be drawn into a place of um, experiencing Christ here today. We're in a new sermon series, which is called um, For Such a Time as This. And we're it's coming out of this belief that uh, that the church is in this season for a reason, that uh, this is not a surprise to our Lord, uh, that we're in sheltering in place and uh, all the, the anxieties that are going on and all those things, but that we're in this for a reason. And uh, we don't want to miss the moment that God has us here for and the opportunity that's there. So we're asking the questions, kind of what is the church all about? What is kind of at the core of who we're supposed to be? And to help us do that, we're going to look at the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the beginning of the church. And if you remember last week, um, we looked at what does it mean to wait for the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talked about that we wait in um, hopeful expectation. We learned that waiting isn't something that's just passive, but it's something that's an active waiting. And that we wait in our uh, prayer life, we wait in the way we study, we can wait in silence, we can wait in worship. And that all of these things, we're looking intently to see, God, what are you teaching us through this? What are you showing us? And where might your Holy Spirit uh, be leading us? And that's how Jesus left his disciples, told them, hey, wait for the Holy Spirit. And um, they didn't have to wait very long. In fact, they waited for uh, around 10 days or so. And then in the book of Acts in chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit, it says, comes upon them. And they're all of a sudden giving these incredible, um, they can speak other languages, they can preach the gospel. And from that point on in the book of Acts, we have a front row seat to watch uh, the apostles and the disciples of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, move out from Jerusalem into Judea, through Samaria, to the very ends of the, of the earth. And we see the Holy Spirit uh, doing what the Holy Spirit does. And we see a group of people who are in step with the Holy Spirit. They're in step with what he wants to do and they are, are moving. And, and through this time in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit as a teacher and as an advocate, as a counselor and as a guide, as, as one that brings comfort to people, as one who brings conviction. And we see all these different qualities of the Holy Spirit all through the book of Acts. And so what we want to do is we want to take a look at just one section of the book of Acts today that kind of gives us a couple pictures of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit is at work and when the Holy Spirit is leading um, a group of people. And it's found in um, Acts chapter 16. And it is uh, so what's called uh, Paul's second missionary journey. He actually has a new companion this time. It's, um, it's Silas. And Paul and Silas kind of start from Jerusalem. They make their way through some of the churches that had, Paul had started earlier. And when they're in um, the city of Lystra, they, uh, they pick up Timothy. And so the three of them uh, together decide, hey, we want to keep going west. And in fact, we want to keep going northwest. And, and we'll read in verse 6 of chapter 16. This is what it says. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phyra and Galatia, having been kept, listen to this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. 
When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. It's such an interesting section. They wanted to kind of go north and, and west and go into uh, kind of Asia Minor and these places where they had never had churches started yet. But for some reason, the Spirit of God keeps them from moving into those areas. And so they, they make their way down to, um, to Troas. Um, and at Troas, they're just kind of waiting again. Lord, what do you want us to do? And what happens then that night is that Paul has a vision. And in this vision, and, and it, it, the wording is it's not a dream that he's awake, but that the Lord um, comes to him as a vision of a man from Macedonia who says, come over to Macedonia, please help us. And so then in verse 10, after Paul has had this, it says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That word concluding is a really interesting word, and, and what it means is to cause, to stride together. And so all that has happened here, uh, Paul and Silas's desire to, to go back through these churches, and they pick up Timothy, and their desires to go into these other areas and being unable to as the Spirit of God leads them, this vision that Paul has, that all of them together, the three of them, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, said, let's go. Let's go. And so one of the things I think that the Spirit does in a group of people that are in stride is it, it creates unity. It creates a, hey, let's do this together. Let's go. And so they make this desire and this choice that, hey, we're going to go over to Macedonia. So they actually get on a ship, start sailing. Um, it sounds like they get there really quick, that there's a wind behind their sail that is pushing them right into Macedonia. And they make it finally to this Roman outpost called Philippi. And in Philippi, um, it says this on, on, in verse 13. It says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. A couple of interesting things about this uh, section. Um, on the Sabbath, it said, we went outside. Uh, Luke is considered to be the one who wrote the book of Acts. And there's a certain sections where it turns into, we did this. And so the thinking is that Luke has now joined this group of three, and he is with Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and together now they're in Philippi. And, and Paul's natural way of going about things has always been, uh, he'll come into a city, he'll go to the synagogue, and he'll start talking to the people in the synagogue who are, are Jews, and he'll start talking to them by looking at the Old Testament and talking about who Jesus is. And this was his way of sharing the gospel with people. And his strategy has always been go to the synagogue, talk to those who are um, followers of the Old Testament, and we'll tell them about Jesus. But here in Philippi, it's interesting. There must not be enough uh, Jewish men in the city to have a synagogue. There's no synagogue in Philippi. So they kind of look at each other and go, well, let's do what we, we've heard is that uh, if there's no synagogue, then people will go outside the city near water, and the, that's where they'll meet. So they go outside the city gates, and it says outside the city gates, they meet some women who are outside the gates. 
So it's very, very interesting here that a man from Macedonia called Paul and his companions to come over, and the group of people that Paul ends up with is a group of women. And I love the fact that he didn't say, oh, well, let's just go back into the city. Something's wrong here. But he preaches to this group of women that this is the group, that there's great flexibility in what Paul thought he was going to do and the situation that is now before him. But he preaches about Jesus. And um, it's really interesting that he's just sharing the gospel. And then verse 14, it says this. It says, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So Lydia, who is a Roman citizen, who lives in Asia Minor, for some reason now has traveled to Philippi, which is in Europe, and she will become the first European convert. It's a pretty wild thing that has brought all of this to happen. It says that she is a worshiper of God. And what that means is that she's a Gentile, but that she's somewhere along the line has been around some people who are Hebrews, who told her about the Old Testament, who told her about Yahweh. And she um, is a follower of Yahweh and a worshiper of Yahweh. And so she's out there with her friends outside by the um, gates, and she hears the gospel. And then this beautiful phrase, the Lord opened her heart to respond. The Lord opened her heart. I mean, so much has brought us to this point where Lydia's life intersects with what God wants to do in her life, right? She's from this totally different area. She's probably traveling for business. She's in Philippi. Um, Paul and his companions have made their way and they're not going, they can't go where they want to go, so they have to come to Philippi and they all both intersect and meet right outside the gates of Philippi. And Paul shares the message about Jesus. But the Lord is the one who opens her heart. And anytime somebody responds to the gospel, anytime someone gives their life to Christ, it is the Holy Spirit's work in their life. We can't do it on our own. We can't make a decision on our own. Or anything. It, it, the Holy Spirit is the one that opens up our heart to what God wants to do. And, and that's what happens to Lydia at this point. And, and she's baptized right away. And, and here's one of the really important truths is that any lasting spiritual work that happens in someone's life involves the Holy Spirit. A listening to the Holy Spirit, a yielding to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit opening up our lives. So she is baptized. And right away, Paul and Silas and Timothy and probably Luke um, stay with her in her house and her other her friends in her household. And there's kind of this built-in community. And it's, been, it's an amazing picture of how the Holy Spirit directs people, how people respond with courage and flexibility, how the Holy Spirit opens up someone's life to respond to the gospel. Beautiful, beautiful picture. So um, they stay there in Philippi. 
and a few days later, we're not sure exactly um, how long, that Paul and Silas continued to um, do work in the city, but then they kind of get sideways with uh, some really influential businessmen in um, Philippi who um, bring them to the magistrates. They are arrested, they are beaten, they are flogged, and they are thrown into prison. And I can only imagine Paul and Silas sitting in prison after being flogged and beaten and, and uh, put in the shackles and all that, thinking, okay, we're listening to you, Lord. We're following the lead of the Holy Spirit, and, and here we are. Now, how, how does this work? Why is this happening to us? And this is where we end up. And, and so one of the really, I think, interesting truths about the Holy Spirit is that when we follow the Holy Spirit, it may and quite possibly will lead you into places that are uncomfortable, places that you had not expected to be, places you might not choose on your own to go. And yet that just because things aren't going as you had planned or as you had hoped doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit stopped leading. The Spirit was leading them in this time also. And so they are um, in prison. And then here's where it picks up in verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Only... Um, only when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit can you pray and sing hymns to God after you've been arrested, beaten, flogged, and thrown in jail. That, that, it, humanly, we cannot do that. It's only when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit can we respond in this way, and that's how they responded. And the other prisoners are listening, it says. And then it says in verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Wow. Earthquake, the chains fall off, the doors open up. I mean, God has done only what God can do in this moment. The jailer um, draws his sword to kill himself because he thinks all of his prisoners have escaped and Paul cries out and says, uh, stop, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. Again, the Spirit of God somehow, through Paul, keeps all the prisoners there. The jailer runs in, realizes God is up to something. He says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul just says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And right there on the prison floor, he does. And he's baptized. And his whole family comes to the Lord. Again, the way the Holy Spirit moves is so powerful, and we've seen evidence of his work and, and what it's like to be in step with his Holy Spirit. And so I, I want us to think through, okay, what would it look like today for a church to be in step with the Holy Spirit? What does it look like for an individual or a church to be in step? And the first thing is this. That, that we would have courage to go where the Spirit leads us. That as we're waiting for the Holy Spirit, as we're listening, we sense God's telling us something to do and it might be a little scary, a little different. We say, okay, I'm gonna do it. So we, we step out 
in faith and in courage. The other thing I think we learned from this today is that it, it involves flexibility. That really following the Spirit, we want to uh, take our plans like Paul would take, uh, the way he's done things, um, all that, the way we want to do things as we think it through, but, but we may get to a point where it looks like, you know what, it's better to go a different way than what we thought. And, and the flexibility that the Holy Spirit brings is, is really important. The third thing I think you would see in a church that's in step was that there would be um, spiritual fruit, especially people coming to know Christ. That as we uh, share our lives and as we share the gospel, that people's hearts would be open to respond and we would see um, people coming to Christ. We would see people growing in their faith and trusting Jesus more and more and that there would be um, spiritual fruit. The fourth thing we'd see is that um, there would be endurance and um, perseverance in the midst of difficulty. In the midst of hard times, in times like we're going through right now, right? We, um, we need the Holy Spirit's um, encouragement and perseverance at this time. And you, we would see that in a church, in an individual that's really being led by the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing you would see is um, we would see God doing only what God can do. That we would see things that even with our best planning, our best minds, uh, our great resources that we would have, that, that God would do beyond what we can do. And we would look at what we've seen happening and go, only God can do this. Only God can work like this. And there's lots of other things, I think, and we'll catch those as we look through this, the uh, book of Acts that we would see in a church that's in step with the Holy Spirit. But these five are, are a good place to start, I think. And um, you know what? I've been a pastor of this church for about 10 years now. I know it's pretty crazy to think that it's been 10 years. And there have been seasons in those 10 years where I feel like, and the staff and all of us feel like, wow, we, we see God moving in these ways. We feel like, yes, we are in step and we see God doing what only he can do. And we have... Um, courage to step into what we sense him doing and all those things. Then there's been other times where we um, wonder what God's doing. We wonder why it's hard. The, the, the illustration that I've used is um, if you live in Claremont or maybe Upland or Laverne, even Glendora, I suspect, if you try to dig in your backyard, like uh, irrigation pipes or whatever, you hit rock after rock after rock. And there are times honestly, when that's what it's felt like sometimes, just hitting rock after rock after rock. And again, not that ministry would be easy, but that there would be a flow and there'd be a sense that you're in step with what God's doing. And, and so what my hope for us and my, my challenge for you is to take this step for us, if you would. Uh, this week, as you continue to wait for the Holy Spirit, as you continue in your study and in your prayer and in silence and fasting and whatever you might be doing, really listen to what God is saying to you and then also what might God be saying to us as a church. And then in obedience, take a step in what you believe he's calling you to do. 
Maybe you sense God saying, um, contact a, a certain person. Maybe you sense the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I, I want you to support this ministry organization. Um, maybe you sense God saying, hey, uh, that friend or family member needs to hear the gospel this week. Wh whatever it might be, but that's my challenge for us uh, to take a step this week of really saying, Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to do? And, I, and I'm going to do it. I want to be in step with what you want me to do. And then I really believe that if we do this, that we will hear the Lord speak to us, that the Holy Spirit will, will guide us and will step out in courage. We'll have plans that he'll take us to that will be bent to his flexibility and we'll see spiritual fruit happening in the lives of people. We'll continue on even when it is tough and, and we will see things that only God can do happening in our midst. That's what it means to be in step with the Spirit. So uh, I'm going to pray for us in, in just a moment. And then um, Kyle has a, a song of benediction that he'll uh, share with us. And, um, but today is uh, the first Sunday of May. And so we're going to take communion together. And the way we want to do it this month is um, we're going to do it together on Zoom at 11 o'clock. So if you're watching this at 10 when it kind of started, around 11, uh, you'll get on a Zoom call and the instructions are in the worship guide. They've been on the emails that the church has sent out. And we just want to gather as best we can together to take communion. Um, so we'll take that sacrament together on Zoom and it will be a way of um, remembering that in this time, the Lord is with us. In this time he is. So let me pray for us. So Lord, our prayer is that we would be a people in step with your spirit. As we wait for you, Lord, may you um, speak to us. As we um, hear your voice, may we respond. Give us courage, Lord, to step out. Help us to bend our plans to what you want to do. May our own hearts be open, Lord, to what you want to do in our lives. Give us uh, perseverance and endurance, Lord, in these days. And Lord, we really want to see you do things that only you can do. That is our prayer. So this week, Lord, hear our prayer, hear our cry, and give us the courage to be faithful to you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.